Well, welcome to the journey, Xavier. I know that you have uh, been on the show once uh, once before, and, um, and that was kind of a, actually, we were on site. I think that was a yeah. day that we were uh, in the spring, and we were actually doing a presentation not too long after that, and that was, uh, we were talking about doing a suicide prevention, uh, suicide awareness, suicide prevention talk that day, mm-hmm. and um but today, um, I want to, again, for everybody that doesn't know you, Xavier uh, Whitford, um, we've known each other for, uh, for a while now, um, yeah. and, uh, and as we were just talking, I, I've known your husband, Corey, um, even longer, um, when, he was a, when he was a young guy, um, young, young person, <laughs> <laughs> he was a little boy, um, and so, um, but welcome to the journey, and as, as you uh, are aware of, the journey is um, essentially a show that talks about individuals their own life journey through different obstacles different things that have set them back um uh, sometimes they're tragic um it's they're either through their own personal setbacks or maybe someone else's and and as you shared before um with your son tommy your oldest um dying in 2014 as a result of um, uh, depression and, um, and ending in suicide. Um, I know these, um, this past five years have been uh, very much a journey for you. So, uh, why don't you kind of just fill us in and what you, we can start back a little bit if you want to, um, back at that time period, um, when Tommy died in August of 2014, but, um, why don't you just kind of, um, kind of bring us up. We can jump in wherever, wherever right. you're at. But. Well, um, I guess, you know, even to go before Tommy died, like I've been through a lot in my life and, um, I was always able to, you know, get through it and, um, persevere, I guess you could say my resiliency was built up to a point that when things happened, I just, you know, figured a way to work through them. But the day Tommy died, um, I was the unfortunate one that found him after he had taken his life by suicide. And that rocked my world in a way that obviously, you can't even imagine, you yeah. know, finding your child that way. And um, although I knew, you know, to a point in that moment that God, you know, and my faith would help get me through it, um, I really didn't even know how I was going to survive this. Like, it's the worst, you know, type of pain you could ever experience. So um, I just, you know, that day, all the things that I had to go through and, you um, it wasn't just one traumatic event of finding Tommy. Um, it was, you know, having my husband show up and seeing him break down. Mm-hmm. It was having my daughter show up. Um, one of her counselors had drove her to the site mm-hmm. where um, when she pulled up and the coroner's van's there and we're standing outside watching her face register what happened. Um, so all of that was very traumatic for me, uh, being the one who's always been the strong one, who's always been ho- able to hold it together. And although I held it together to a point that day as his girlfriend showed up who was pregnant with his child and, you know, broke down and, you know, as his best friend showed up who just came by to visit, didn't even realize what was going on. um, I was able to hold it together that day. But what I started to notice was that, um, you know, each day as things started going forward, I started having a harder time of holding it together. I started to have, you know, episodes of, Um, not being able to control my feelings, my emotions, my thoughts. And that was very different for me because I've always been able to um, sort of reprogram my thoughts. You know, when I would go down a negative road, I'd be able to refocus on something positive and be able to pull myself out of that. 
And um, this was something that I couldn't do that so easily with. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was about almost almost about a year later that it got to a point where I realized I needed to get help. Um, I found myself in nothing really happened. You know, they say that usually you can see triggers. And yeah, there were opportunities where I realized it was a trigger. Like one time I was driving down the street and there was an ambulance in front of me and they turned on their their sirens and started to do a U-turn because they were going on a call. And I found myself, you know, starting to feel like I was almost hyperventilating my heart beat racing and you know started to cry and get very over emotional and I pulled off on the side of the road and spent about 15 minutes crying and trying to calm myself down that made sense right Mm -hmm. you know the trigger was the ambulance um but this day at work there wasn't any one thing that happened that I could pinpoint that made my body just start to respond in that same sort of way Mm -hmm to the point that I went into the bathroom at work, sat in the corner on the floor, and just bawled and um, couldn't control it. You know, I just couldn't stop it from happening. It was almost like when I was trying to explain it to um, my husband and friends, it was like, you know, how you can feel almost like a heart attack starting to happen, but there's nothing you can do to stop it, Um, or an asthma attack, you know. It, It was like that. I couldn't stop it. Everything I tried didn't work. And so it was in that bathroom that I realized that it was time that I needed to get more work. Mm -hmm. Um, I had done everything that everybody told me to do. You know, after losing Tommy, I started a support group for suicide survivors, Mm -hmm. which helped tremendously to be able to, you know, um, relate to people who have been through a suicide death Mm because there's so many things that come with that that are very different from another type of death. Um, I had, you know, gone to counseling Mm -hmm. and was dealing with my grief. But the one thing I never did was deal with the trauma. Mm. And so it really became apparent to me that day in the bathroom that I had to deal with the trauma okay. that I had experienced. So so when you, just for the person that may not, because you've had other traumatic things happen mm-hmm. to you. I mean, your husband died. Um, how old were you when your husband died? I was um, 23. 23, okay. And I was pregnant with my daughter, and my son was three. Okay. And he died from a car accident. Was that yes, he yeah. was drinking and driving. Okay, and um, and so uh, obviously coming. In, I mean, I'm assuming you were were you brought to the scene or brought to the hospital? How what happened? Um, no, I wasn't. I was actually um, out of town at the time. Okay, and um, so I had to travel back from visiting my friend in California. Okay, um, and. I had my son with me, so, you know, finding an emergency flight to get back, whatever, got back, but I did have to go to the coroner's office and identify his body. Um, That was pretty traumatic, too, because, you know, it's one thing to identify his, um, like, I I had to go with his dad, and I remember going, and they wanted me to identify his tattoo, because he had a tattoo on his chest, and that's how you can, you know, best identify a body. And so that was not an issue with me, but his dad wanted me to see everything. So he lifted up the, the rest of it, and he had had traumatic brain injury from the accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, that image sticks with me forever. Okay. You know, okay. just like the image of finding my son sticks with you forever. Right. And I did deal with some, you know, things and trying to get through losing my husband and seeing that and everything as well but um 
it was different because mm-hmm. I had my son and I was pregnant and yeah. I was all focused on that. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, that kind of helped me sure. get through and deal with it. Okay. And that's what I was just curious about. What do you, th- I mean, not to say that one death of somebody is, is less than mm-hmm. another one, but, but there was something about this particular um, even for yourself, it sounds like it, you were surprised that you were having this type of response to, to this um, differently than other things that you had faced. Yeah, I mean, but I think the reality is when you're a mother mm-hmm. and you carry a child for eight months, there is a bond there and mm-hmm. there's a connection there that is far different than any other connection you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lost a husband. I've lost my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lost people that are very close to me. However, nothing can compare to losing a child and losing my son. And Tommy and I went through the traumatic loss of his dad together. He was my rock. You know, I was pregnant with Micaiah, but Tommy was the one who we, you know, we connected with one another and leaned on one another. He was only three, but he was my, he was my rock. Mm -hmm. He was the one that helped me get through that and continue to move forward. And so I think that as well, we just had a different type of bond, Mm -hmm. not, more or less than I have with my daughter, just different. Sure. Yeah. And so um, knowing that he went through that, knowing that, um, you know, he knew what it was like to lose a dad mm-hmm. and have to grow up without a dad. And now his daughter has to do the same thing. Yeah. That also is yeah. heartbreaking for yeah. me, you know. Well, and I, I know you and I have had n- so many conversations about this, but when someone's in that darkness, they're not thinking rational. So they're, so, right. so they're not thinking about Epsi. You know, he, right. he wasn't thinking about Epsi. He wasn't thinking in that context because that's what unfortunately happens yeah. with the depression, with the, in the, the darkness, the depressive thinking that's happening at that time is that it's, it's a lot of times very um, uh, irrational, very uh, short right now cited right. even though it may be saying things like i i think they'll be better off in the right. long run um clearly that's never the case right um and so going back to this idea though of in and when you when you think of it being traumatic i mean there's there's a handful of different things that play into it one that you were the first on the scene mm-hmm. um and then the visuals right and then and then all the other parts of the story that that add mm-hmm. to that and then the and, and just what you were just saying, and and now with uh, with Epsi being born and mm-hmm. and all those different things, that's all part. So that was what I'm hearing you say. That's all part of the rip, the compounding aspect of the trauma. Right. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And you know, there there are things that um, that I know that other people don't know about the scene and mm-hmm. about the things that really sat with me. And you know, like just. One of the things that helped me realize that Tommy really wasn't thinking like he normally would was that it was apparent to me that he he wanted to die. You know what I mean? Um, that that he felt like there was no other option. There were things, you know, like his his phone being within arm's length that if he wanted to reach out and grab it, he could have. There were things that he could have done to stop it if he started and, and was uncertain. So, like, they're, they're just, you know things that I saw and questioned that other people maybe, you know, that weren't, they weren't there. And Mm -hmm. I haven't really shared much about that part of it. But, um, so like that played a role in my mind too, Mm -hmm. like, wow, you know, and then for me, 
I think it helped that I myself, after finding Tommy, you know, the depression and the grief and the PTSD that I was experiencing, because that's ultimately what I got diagnosed with and why I was having these episodes, um, helped me understand what it's like to have something control you Mm -hmm. that you don't have control over. And so um, it helped me understand that aspect of what he would, that he wasn't able to think about his daughter that was on the way or that, um, you know, his, his family that was always there loving and supporting him no matter what. Like those were things he couldn't think of because his mind at that time was telling, controlling different thoughts in his head, you know, and that's what I truly believe because I know if he would have thought of those things, he wouldn't have followed through with it. Mm -hmm. That was one thing that we talked about often is that, you know, he didn't want to have his kid grow up without a father like he did. So um, it's one of those things that I think all of that plays a factor into, you know, I have more information that into the trauma than others do. And so I've had to work through that myself Mm -hmm. um, where others maybe didn't have to. And and I I know when it, it different opportunities that we have to talk to people that are that are want to learn more about um, what can they do to prevent suicide, um, and you come from a very unique situation where you know when when you share about how much of a ripple effect it has had on you um, your whole family mm-hmm. um, as as well as individuals that have known um, Tommy that that's so much far farther reaching than um than than probably ever can be imagined right and mm-hmm. um so um i want to go back to the ptsd piece because i know there's more and more research being done on ptsd and in the original work was done with soldiers right. and that was the the big aspect of working with soldiers regarding um, ptsd and having a better um uh, understanding and having more compassion about what combat soldiers were going through um, when they were in um, uh, in active duty. So, but one of the things that I think has, at least as a practitioner, that I have recognized is that PTSD, we call it a disorder, um, but it doesn't have to be a lifelong disability. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for some people it ends up being that way, but it doesn't have to be a lifelong, um, you don't have to be disabled. Um, it is something that's happened. It's not like you're going to get amnesia, but the intensity of when the symptoms were at its high, um, highest doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way. Right. And how can, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, I think, you know, when you're at the height of PTSD, it can be very disabling, you Mm -hmm. know, because it affects every part of your life. It affects your relationships. It affects your activities, your work, everything. Um, However, I think that, you know, for me, um, finding the right form of treatment for Mm -hmm. the PTSD was crucial. Um, I had had people reaching out to me talking about a type of therapy um, and telling me I should reach out to a certain uh, therapist to get this type of uh, therapy for a long time and I I had looked it up and I'm like that sounds really weird and wacko (laughs) and I don't understand how that can work um I don't need that I'll just go to a regular therapist you know well after that day I spent in the bathroom I pretty much was willing to try anything and so I did reach out to um 
a local therapist who worked with the works with police and um, was one of the renowned therapists mm-hmm. locally that worked with police and fire for PTSD mm-hmm. and um, at, uh, went through EMDR therapy with her, which was yeah. a therapy that I thought was just weird because yeah. it, you don't talk and sure. you use, you know, I mean, it's just was one of those things I was like, how does this work? I don't know. (laughs) But I was willing to try anything. Mm -hmm. I went and I started to notice um, almost immediately a change. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't, you know, take away any memory. Mm -hmm. I obviously have every memory of that day still. Um, But it made it in a way that um, I could talk about it, think about it, and it doesn't throw me back to that day. Um, the emotions and the feelings and my body doesn't feel like I'm in that day again, mm-hmm. which was what was happening previously. Mm-hmm. So for me, and, and, the, and that type of therapy is not, you know, right for everybody. Well, correct. So for me, it was just being open and willing to try anything mm-hmm. to find what worked for me. Right. And I was very fortunate to be connected with somebody who was very good at that type of therapy and that therapy worked for me. Sure. And so, um, it's not disabling for me anymore and I am able to work through it. There are still some things occasionally that do trigger me, mm-hmm. um, but it's nothing like it used to be. Yeah. So, um, but I think that's one of the, you know, for me, one of the things that I've struggled with the most is with people trying to help them understand what it's like for me. Um, because if you've never experienced a, a mental you know episode like PTSD it's very hard for you to understand and so even with my husband you know he'd be like um I don't understand why you're acting this way or why you're why this is like this for you it's been you know two years Mm -hmm. or it's been a year you know or people that you know friends like you should be over this by now (laughs) you know and this you have to stop and just be like yeah you don't understand because you didn't experience what I experienced and um and as we know you know people are more resilient than other people Mm -hmm. um what's traumatic for one person isn't traumatic for another or different levels of of uh, how it affects us so it's just understanding that everybody is different and they feel what they feel Mm -hmm. and for me I was very fortunate to be connected with who I was and that it helped so much well I think it it, it's a combination of I think it happens a lot of times where um, you were doing a lot of the right things. You know, you mm-hmm. were um, uh, attempting to talk about it. You were trying to get involved. You were trying to not just suppress it. There was a lot of things that you were you were you were doing. And but I think the difference happens for some individuals when we have a traumatic event. Our body internalizes that event, mm-hmm. and, and and so then we have. Um, a physical response to to that and we are um, for a lack of better terminology we were being triggered without the stimulus into that fight or flight our body's responding that way though there is no uh, stimulus for that to happen and and we have all this adrenaline going we have all and we don't know what's happening Mm -hmm. and and then of course we get even more scared because we don't know what's happening so I, I think the one of the thing, you know, one of the things that, as a clinician, that by the fact that you were able to do a lot of those and you were proactive in a lot of ways, um, when they did, um, when she did diagnose you with PTSD and then offer that type of treatment, it was addressing that element of it right. that wasn't getting addressed before. Right. Um, if you would have done that treatment, maybe 
maybe 12 months earlier, it may not have worked the same way because it, maybe there is other stuff that hadn't, uh, hadn't resonated. So it, it, there's something to be said about timing um, with everything um, as well as what you said is that you were willing to try anything because you wanted, um, you wanted relief from what was going on. Right. And yeah, and that's definitely, you know, um, the therapist mentioned that because I came within a year after the, tra- the trauma happening, that it's going to be more effective. One thing I found interesting, though, is as I was going through the therapy for Tommy's death and the trauma that was related to that, how other traumatic things came up, one of which was losing my husband. Yeah. And there was trauma related to that, which that was in 1997, yeah. um, you know, that I had that came up as part of this therapy that I had no idea I hadn't really worked through yeah. or dealt with. You know, we get so good at um, stuffing things, yeah. right? And then they come out at the most unopportune times. But at the same time, I'm thankful that I was where I was at and I was in a safe place that I could work through all of that and come out the other side. Mm-hmm. And because of that experience, I'm more open to try things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried not just therapy, but different types of self-care that I never would have been open to in the past, just because I realized that, you know, I don't know what works for me. I don't, you know, I know some things that work for me for self-care, but I want to try other avenues to see if maybe that would help me as well. Um, So it's opened me up as a person to try different things and be open to different types of options, and um, I am grateful for that. Well, and I think there... as you said earlier, when just using the one example of one of the traumas in your past was with your husband dying, um, you had to focus on being a mom that had to take precedence over what was going on because it was immediate. It was um, undeniable. And because they were so small, you were pregnant. I mean, all these different variables, it, it, it maybe forced you to compartmentalize it and suppress it where when Tommy died, not only were were was McKay at a different age, mm-hmm. but that same thing that was your rock before now, it, the rules have changed, right. and, and so now it becomes this double, you know, this paradox, and so other things end up um, breaking through um, that may that earlier you could have put them in a box, and so right. we never know when that's going to happen um, and what that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, um, I think that's one of the upside that when we start doing a little bit deeper work, we can we can start addressing some of those other issues that may have had, um, that led to the compounding effect of that when, well then when Tommy did die, there was other things that may have not have been addressed earlier. Right. So, yeah. so, so I, I know there's a lot of things that you, you do now uh, that, um, and I, and even though I knew who you were, um, you know, uh, prior, I don't know how many c- different conversations we had prior to Tommy dying. Um, and I know I didn't, I definitely didn't know other than you being involved with as a youth director and involved mm-hmm. with that element of, of things. I didn't know much of what you were doing, but now I know you're involved with a lot of different things. And, um, so tell us a little bit about as you have been healing and as you have, um, physically healing, um, mentally healing, 
there's been other things that you've been involved with. Um, I know you're um, an instructor for mental health first aid. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you have your your foundation that you're doing to raise awareness, and you go into schools as well as other organizations. Mm-hmm. But so, tell us a little bit of, about all those different things. Well, one of the first things that I started doing, I think, um, was um, the teen support groups. So, you know, working with Group Hope and establishing teen groups. Um, realizing that there was a need in our community for that and understanding. Tell us a little bit about Group Hope or what what is Group Hope and what's Teen Group Hope? Just so, so Group Hope was established by Dr. Um, Charles Smith after losing his daughter um, to suicide as well. And they're just support groups for individuals who are struggling with mental illness or emotional you know, struggles to go and um, relate with one another and get support from one another. Um, it's facilitated by somebody, but you know, it's not a trained therapist. It's not meant to be a therapy. It's um, just a support group, like a mutual help support group. Um, one of the things that I realized there were no teen groups, so I worked with Dr. Smith, and we established the f- I f- he trained me to be a facilitator on how they run Group Hope. Um, I started teen groups and have been doing that now for um, almost, I think it'll be about four and a half years. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one thing. What that did for me was listening to the kids, um, listening to what it's like for them to live with depression and eating disorders and you know bipolar, all the different things that each of them struggle with, um, really helped me understand from a different perspective what Tommy was going through. Mm-hmm. That was really um, crucial to part of my my healing is being able to understand. Um, one of those teens, you know, shared with me um, the fact that, you know, when they attempted um, at one point in time how they couldn't think about the future or the past. All they could think about was the pain they were feeling in that moment. Um, and even though they knew they had family members that cared and supported them, like they couldn't think of that. And that really helped me, mm-hmm. um, you know, validate what I was already thinking that Tommy wasn't able to think about any of us in that moment of despair. Mm-hmm. And so that helped with my healing and helped me better understand what he was going through and what he was feeling. I, um, also then, you know, obviously started working with you and SOS and speaking in the schools, but, Then um, about two years ago, I went to, about two and a half years ago, I went to a class for mental health first aid. Went to the class to get trained myself and realized like how beneficial the training was, how it covered all of the different mental illnesses. It helped create action plans on how you can help people. Um, You're not meant to be a, a professional, but to kind of, you know, step in as that intermediate person to keep them safe in a crisis and get them connected to the right kind of help. And so one of the things I realized that I needed to do was um, become an instructor for that Mm -hmm. because the cost um, of the class that the instructors were charging was more than what most people could afford to do. Mm -hmm. And so I went to this week-long class, got, you know, trained to be an instructor, um, started teaching a couple classes myself, then very early on got connected with Chief Jamie Evans from the Rasco Police, who was also an instructor, and now we team up to do the classes. One of the great things we've been able to do with our foundation that we established for Tommy was the money that we raise we can use to cover the cost of the books. Mm -hmm. And then Jamie and I donate our time often um, to be able to teach the class to offer it free of charge. So um, it's, you know, it's a class that's worth, they say the value of it is about $170 per person per class. 
Um, but the value that I see in offering it for free is more people are being trained and better understand and can help people. And um, I think that that's important. Sure. So we've been able to train just the general public, people that are very interested in learning how to help support individuals who are struggling, and that is critical. So that's one thing we've been able to do. Um, and then, you know, we, we just pretty much do what we can. Our foundation has also, um, over the last year, established a fund that can help people who can't afford counseling to get mm-hmm. counseling. I'm working with, you know, um, a couple different organizations mm-hmm. like KP Counseling to – um, be able to get people in, get them the help that they need, and not let the financial piece of it be a burden for them. Sure. And that's what I was hearing most often from people is, well, I need to go to a counselor, but I don't have insurance. Or, um, you know, my insurance application's in process, but it's not through yet. So that's what our organization decided to do as a board is be able to fill that gap. Um, I also sit on the NAMI board, um, and that's been critical just in being a part of the education and um, support groups and so forth, and I think that they're a very valuable asset in our community as well. We have great as- you know, resources in our community when you think about it mm-hmm. from this standpoint. There's so many great organizations doing great things and making a, an impact, and so I'm really proud of our community and that fact because um, when I talk to, like, I have a friend that lives up in Wisconsin who lost, um, her son lost her his dad to suicide. And, um, you know, she was like, there's nothing up here. There's nothing. Like, mm-hmm. I can't find anything to help us and support us. And so it just makes me realize how, how um, lucky we are True. to have the organizations that we have. The support group I mentioned that I went to, Ray of Hope. You know, a suicide survivor support group, they're, they're not everywhere. Right. We're very fortunate to have that in our community and have great facilitators um, that, that keep that group going for the last 30 years. Right, yeah. And I'm thankful for that. And I agree with you. I know we were, when we met in you know beginning of August and we were talking about the combination of the events that you were involved with and facilitating the ones that NAMI was doing, that, you know, um, Shatter Our Silence was doing. I think we had something weekly, if not multiple Mm -hmm. times a week, for almost eight to nine weeks straight, from middle of August all the way to middle of October, um, which was uh, something I don't think we've ever, that I've ever been aware of before, um, that there was that that consecutively that much that was continually to be offered um, for the community. And so, and, and recognizing that, that that just doesn't end when those are you know when august september and october ends that continue to have conversations and i know that there's been multitude of opportunities to continue speaking since then and into the schools and um, there's been an increased awareness about that but you've also been involved with some other things i mean not only are you involved from a organizational standpoint but uh, just recently you did something that you've been wanting to do for a long time Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was uh uh, write an ex write a, a section for a book right and so tell us about what that desire was and and what that process was like and, and where that's at now. well um, I've actually been writing a book because um, my whole like life slogan I've said is finding purpose in the pain okay. um, so I've been writing a book about my journey um, through losing Tommy and you know his story my story in one you know one book I guess you could say um, also the faith aspect of it, cause that's huge for me. You know, um, I, if it wasn't for my faith and that foundation that I had, I, 
I don't know if I would have come out the other side of this, to be honest with you. I believe like, I believe that God knew what was going to happen and, and, you know, obviously, and my faith and the way that it built up to this point, if that wouldn't have been there, I think it would have been a different outcome for me. Let me, before we go any further, let me ask you about that piece. Um, Cause we'll hear a lot of people talk about that, but how do you think going through the different things over the last five years, maybe even leading up to that, has your faith changed? If you, if we, if there's a before, Mm-hmm. 2014 and then after 2014 um, has has your faith changed um, and if it has in what way definitely yes and definitely stronger okay. um, because being able to for me when I would go through difficult things before the loss of Tommy um, I would always you know say like why me mm-hmm. that would be the first thing like why me why mm-hmm. me because I've had lots of bad things happen in my life. Why does this keep happening to me? When I lost Tommy, my perspective was different in the fact that I didn't ask that. I didn't understand why it had to happen to me, but I wasn't asking why me, God. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, I was just saying, like, I don't understand why this happened, but I trust that you're going to make something good of this through this. And I really did, like, from the moment I, I know don't ever find a time where I look back I, like I remember that day in that home after finding Tommy and you know people coming and going just saying to God I'm gonna trust you through this I'm not gonna blame you I'm not gonna turn against you like I'm gonna trust you I'm gonna stand in my faith I'm gonna believe that even though this seems like the most painful thing I'll ever have to get through that you're gonna get me through this and that's different than any other thing or any other time I've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, so right away, I just remembered trusting God. Why do you think you were saying that? Why? Why? I mean, yeah. What, if you can put it into words, why? I think it was just because I had realized, even though I had been through all those things in my life previously, I never recognized God was there and able to bring me through it. That at that point in time in my life, I was able to look back and see that even though um, I lost a husband, right, and was left as a single mom for many years, that then I found Corey. And Corey has been an amazing father, an amazing husband. And, you know, that even at that point in time in my life, I was able to look back through every bad thing that had happened in my life and find that good came out of it. Mm-hmm. And I trusted that that was going to happen this time for mm-hmm. the first time mm-hmm. immediately. I didn't have to see it to believe it. I knew it before it even happened Mm -hmm. and you know one of the things I talk a lot about in so we were talking about the book I just recently published co-authored a book with um, 12 short stories of people who had experienced mental illness and came have been able to live successfully for that through that and what my chapter is called transforming wounds into wisdom and I talk a lot about how um, you know I've I trusted that God would take these wounds and make something out of them and he has and I wish I didn't have to experience losing my son to become the person that I am and experience the things that I have but I'm thankful Mm -hmm. that through that God's been able to make a story make a connection make um, opportunities for me to share not only Tommy's story but my story Mm -hmm. and help other people you know 
I wish that I didn't have to lose my son for that to happen, but I'm thankful that I can now help people because of that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the, the, the faith foundation and being able to lean on God through that and um, being able to trust him before it even happens mm-hmm. is, is huge. It's, you know, was something that I've never been able to do in my life. And I believe that um, the relationship that I had with him at that point that I lost Tommy was crucial for that mm-hmm. because I, I really did. I had a good, you know, like a firm foundation that I could lean back on that wasn't going to crumble because of something so devastating. Mm-hmm. And I've watched that happen with people when they don't have that firm foundation. And I'm just so thankful that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also believe that because of that foundation and that faith, I've been able to see that and believe that Tommy is okay mm-hmm. and he is, you know, where he needs to be mm-hmm. and he you know and he, I get those signs to let me know that even though it sucks that I have to live every day without him that he's okay and that I'm gonna be okay mm-hmm. you know when you were just talking about that um, and, and I had never heard that part of the story that when people come into um, come into your house that you were silently saying to yourself that you were committing yourself to trusting Mm-hmm. the unknown trusting what you what had not happened yet and that was fundamentally different than other times in, yeah. in your past and and it, as you said earlier maybe because this is something that though there had been bad things that have happened prior there was nothing comparable to this type of mm-hmm. element and no way to describe that for you um I remember one time when we were doing a, a talk together, and I think it was for the Girl Scouts, if I remember correctly, and I had one of the slides that I had, I had was referencing that day was about um, individuals. A study was done by the International uh, International Committee on Traumatic Events and, and Survivors of Traumatic Events, and they talked about um, that people respond to traumatic events in one of three ways. and. One way they said is that people become permanently dispirited. They become broken and um, in response to that traumatic event and never recover. Um, two, they somehow they get back to normal. Is it they just stuff it, compartmentalize it, and and maybe that's what happened in some prior traumatic events in your life. You you put it into mm-hmm. a box and you just went on because you had to because of whatever. And then the third one is that because of the event you um, were, were came out of your comfort zone, came out of different places that only would have happened if the event only happened because the event happened. And I don't think it's because we like want those events to happen, right. but it's that process of trusting something greater than ourselves, trusting God that, um, okay, this has happened. What are we, what are we going to do with this? What are we to do from this? What am I to learn from this? ultimately what am I to give back um, to others right. and um, and clearly that's a big part of what you've been doing um, since then um, this would not be the work you'd be doing right. most likely would not no. be the work you'd be doing if this hadn't happened right I mean I always invested in teens as a as a youth leader but right. not in the capacity that I do now and um, my compassion has deepened mm-hmm. for individuals who are you know dealing with mental illness or or struggles in general I mean I always was compassionate but it's like tenfold now because not only can I relate on a level after experiencing my own journey through this um, but 
you know, just it's just different because of what we've been through, just way more open and compassionate. I think once you experience it yourself, it allows you to open up in a different way to people um, and be there for different people. But for me, like when you talk about those three different options, like I feel like if I were to, to do one of the first two options and my personally for me, it would be dishonoring to my son, mm-hmm. dishonoring to my family and dishonoring to God. Because um, I know that Tommy would not want that for me, that um, he, you know, he would not want his death to be for nothing. He would want it to to mean something or to make a difference in someone's life. And so for me, immediately, I knew that, you know, and have just worked since then. The reason why I haven't quit, I can tell you that there were many people that said in the first year when I was doing everything I was doing, she's going to burn out she's she's gonna end up quitting this eventually um this is too much for somebody to do the reason i haven't is because of the promise i made to god that day the trust i had in him that if he opened the doors i would walk through them and be obedient to that um and that, that i trusted he would make something good out of this but also because everything I do is to honor Tommy. Mm -hmm. How could I, how could I quit on that? Mm -hmm. If I quit on that, I'm quitting on him and I would never do that ever. So, you know, for me, it was like when people would say that, I'd be like, you don't, you don't know what's driving me. You don't know who's standing behind me. Like it's impossible to give up or quit or not continue this. You know, I honestly don't know, you know, and I've had, trust me, it's a mental battle every day because you know i i question myself and you know i don't have the degrees behind my name how can i really help anybody Mm -hmm. you know or um i'm not good enough for you know like all of those things that we all battle with like Mm -hmm. i have a full-time job that i have to be committed to that pays the bills Mm -hmm. so i fill the rest of my time and then i wonder you know is that taking away from my own family mm-hmm. and the things that are also priority in my life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's it's a battle. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I won't quit. Mm-hmm. I won't stop because I know that this is a purpose that's been given to me by God. And I know that this is a promise that I've given Tommy that I, I won't let this be for nothing. Yeah. Well, and I think and I th- and I understand why people say that. You I mean, th- number one, they don't know. They, they know from their perspective, maybe, but they don't know from your perspective. And at the same time, I think there's something to be said that, and we've had, you and I have had this conversation as well, sometimes we have to reframe how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. We have to look at it and go, okay, maybe I need to do this differently. Um, maybe I need to do this more efficiently. I need to, um, I need to be strategic about what I'm saying yes to yeah. so, I, so I can say no to the right things and say yes to the right things. I think there's all those things that we learn. Um, because when we first start, we're almost surprised that someone wants us to come and talk, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and then later we have to, we have to, you know, discern self care wise, discern what am I saying yes to? So it, it has the greatest amount of uh, either impact or it's the right thing to say yes to. Right. And I can't do that if I'm always running. If I'm, if I'm always saying yes, if I'm always busy, I can't discern I'm not letting God right. guide. Right. I, I'm just going, and um, and I know that I know that's been a, a journey for you as well. Um, in that, yeah, there's definitely you know I want to do it all, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> <laughs> I want to do it all because sure. I care sure. and yeah. I I just want to. But 
I, I've been noticing even more recently that, um, you know, certain doors are closing and other doors are staying open. And so for me, it's, you know, one of the things I've been, you know, focusing on and praying over is that although I want to go through this door, mm-hmm. right, God's keeping this door open. So I need to understand that maybe this door is meant for somebody else mm-hmm. and my door is meant for me. Mm-hmm. And my door is just as important as that door. And so, you know, just being okay with it, being yeah. content with that and accepting that, um, my doors are important and my doors are what I need to focus on and don't focus on trying to walk through or open up other doors that are meant for somebody else. Right. Um, and that's hard to swallow sometimes because yeah. maybe that door is really the door you want to be walking <laughs> through personally, <laughs> sure. but yeah. trusting that, you know, God has the right doors open for yeah. the right reasons and that if these doors are meant to open, they're going to open because God puts that on the heart of those people to open that door for mm-hmm. me. Um, and just trusting that, you know, and trusting the timing because, again, you know, we all want things when we want them. Mm-hmm. And God has different, you know, a different plan and a different idea. And just trusting that when the timing is right and the opportunity is right, that he'll make that happen. Yeah. And if not, again, being content with where you're at and yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny because, you know, the work that we do mm-hmm. is is hard. Mm-hmm. I'm a very um, compassionate, empathetic person. So when I'm working with these kids that are struggling, my husband could tell you I take it on. Mm-hmm. It hurts. I come home and I cry for them mm-hmm. because I care. Mm-hmm. It's personal. And so it's hard because it, you grow weary. But then it's so funny because as soon as I start to grow weary and think like, can I continue to do this? Mm-hmm. Is this really, am I really cut out for this? Mm-hmm. Something happens. Mm-hmm. Someone comes in, someone says something or, um, you know, and, and it shows me that I'm exactly where I need to be mm-hmm. doing exactly what I need to be doing, whether I'm weary or tired or not, that I needed. Mm-hmm. And, um, or that I get, you know, something happens where somebody does something that gives me that break that I need mm-hmm. or that encouragement that I need because, it does get hard, mm-hmm. but I also know that it's something I have to do. Yeah, it, it is um, being being tired because we care a lot mm-hmm. about what happens, and and then also there's times when we get frustrated because it feels like either either there's barriers there or. You know, I you never know, right? If, if right. you know, if it's if it's one more conversation, it's what, and then there may be a breakthrough. Right. But prior to that, one more conversation, one more whatever, we don't necessarily see that there's going to be a breakthrough, and so we grow. I grow weary with that sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then when I'm not trusting that process, when I'm not trusting, um, as we talk all the time about, I just need to show up. If I just show up, if I'm just present and show up and open, mm-hmm. um, then I'll be utilized. Right. Um, and the, the doors will appear. Um, again, going back to what you said, I sometimes need to quiet myself and be aware of, is this my desire to go through the door or is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is there something else going on? Right. And I have to be aware of that as well um, because sometimes I'll get headstrong and want to just keep pushing at something. And... Um, if the it's clearly not going to be opening, I, right. I I need to be open to going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. 
I think that idea of self-care is important. Um, following those things that you do desire, regardless if necessarily um, you know, what the outcome is going to be, as we've talked many times, if just one person hears this story today and that makes a difference for them. Right. You know, because I know that there's just in the last, you know, a few weeks, there's been a lot of parents who are now struggling because there's been a handful of people that have died from suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, variety of ages, not all, not yeah. just young adults, yeah. um, uh, also in, in um, older adults. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's going to be that ripple effect. And mm-hmm. so, um, being able to share the story of how you walk through different things and how, um, though it feels like all doors are closed, um, the doors are different. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, one thing that I found very important very early on, too, is perspective. So I remember one of the first interviews I did with Tommy's story, I said, you know, obviously we all have questions and we want to know answers and what ifs and whatever right just remembering that none of that's going to change what happened right Mm -hmm. and focusing on that can keep you very stuck but also for me instead of focusing on the time that I wasn't going to have with Tommy and all the things he was going to miss I focused on the time I was blessed to have him Mm -hmm. so I had said something along the lines of you know I had 20 years with him where some people only get 20 days with their child So for me, it's like always keeping that perspective Mm -hmm. because it's very easy for me to go down the the road, right, of he's not here for his daughters. Mm -hmm. He's not here for my daughter's graduation. She's going to be graduating college this year. He's going to miss that. Mm -hmm. He's missing him. You know, like I could focus on all the things that he's missing and he's not here for, or I can remember that I was so blessed to have him for 20 years and all the memories that we have from that and all the things that we – we got to experience with him mm-hmm. and all the funny stories that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever I find myself going down that the dark road, I just try to refocus mm-hmm. on the light and the fact that we had those 20 years of memories mm-hmm. and some people don't even get that. Yeah. Well, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, right? Because mm-hmm. these many of the many times they're not going to come if we just sit by ourselves in our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. We have to go and talk to other people. We yeah. have to hear other people's stories. We mm-hmm. professionally may need to go see someone. Um, oh, yeah. We may need to do things out of our comfort zone. Um, we may need to figure out, even though it doesn't make sense at the time, that if this is the greatest tragedy that has has occurred in my life, then how do I find purpose in that? Right. How do I f- find some deeper, deeper meaning other than just that it now gets to be claimed as the most traumatic event in my life. Um, there needs to be a, a bigger story there. Um, I know, referring to one of the books that I've that has helped me um, and that I refer out is Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way. And one of the excerpts that I pulled out of that was um, give, given some point into the future, um, let's say it's next summer, so the summer of 2020, um, if it's based upon a book that you're writing based upon um, something that you want to create, something you want to do, or even where you want to be, what's the story you want to tell come July of 2020? Mm-hmm. That's the story you're writing currently. So I know for me, when I get weary, get tired, don't feel like I can, um, I remind myself what story do I want to tell at this given point. Mm-hmm. Even the setbacks are going to be part of the story. Right. What I do with the setbacks 
are going to be part of the story. What I do with opportunities that come up, the good things that happen too, that's all part of the story. Um, it helps me to be mindful of, of, of when stuff's happening, when I'm tired, um, when stuff appears not to be happening. Those are all part of the story because okay. it, ultimately July of 20 is going to come. What am I going to say? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? What's the story? I didn't do anything with the last nine months. Right. Well, I probably did something, <laughs> but it may not have been focused. It may not have been disciplined. It may not have been intentional. So, so what uh, what things right now? Uh, I know you just got you guys just did a release of the book that you guys collaborated on. Mm-hmm. Um, what what things do you have going on right now? Because it seems like you always have something going on. So, you know, believe it or not, <laughs> <laughs> not that much right now. No, okay. um, I'm still. You know, my my goal that I set for myself, which I'll be surprised if I make, is to finish my book that I've been working on for four years by the end of this year. Okay. Um, so in the next two months. Yeah. Okay. Which it's, you know, like it's one of those things like it's 80% done and sure. I just need to go back and finish it, right? Uh, okay. Um, but I just don't have the time or make the time. Um, and I, yeah. So that's, you know, my one of my main goals right now. And okay. then just continuing, we've been really focusing on, you know, getting as many trainings for mental health first aid. And um, we have a training coming up this Friday that we're doing a lot of like city officials um, from different departments next um, for the city of Rockford right okay and then next month we're doing one for the UIC um, nurses okay Um, so you know that that keeps us busy trying to get that information in there and um, and then just you know focusing on building up the teen group and starting um, one of the goals is to try to start a young adult group because we have a lot of the teens that have been coming to my group for the last three or four years who are now aging out. Um, And so, you know, those are the kind of things that I'm really focusing on now is building up facilitators so that we can have another group and trying to keep consistent, you know, with the group that we have and um, just, you know, being open to whatever other doors are opening and whatever we can do. So Sure. Okay. Well, if someone was interested in um, either reading your book or learning more about your book or your organization, what's the best way for people to get a hold? Well, the book right now you can go to, um, it's basically ShavierWhitford.net to get to order the book and, you know, get information about what I'm doing personally. Um, the Tommy Carroll Memorial Foundation, you know, you can Google that and find out information (laughs) about what we're doing and what's going on. Um, We don't really have um, too much going on with that um, until our walk in April that will come up really fast. Again, it's like you think you end something and something else is coming right around the corner. So, um, but yeah, that's, you know, one of the things. Um, We also, you know, continuing to do our grief groups so my husband and I both do I facilitate a mom's grief group he facilitates a dad's grief group um, for parents who have lost a child by any means it doesn't matter Um, so continuing to you know that's something I'm very passionate about too is you know supporting other people that are going through that and offering opportunities for them so we've been working about um, getting some little retreats together Mm -hmm. to um give people an opportunity to go and just heal and work through their, whether it's grief, trauma, whatever they're going through. Um, so that's something else I have on my radar that I've had on my heart to do is 
um, doing a retreat in the next year for individuals that want to come and spend a day or a weekend to focus on themselves and work through that stuff and partnering with other people, you know, and offering opportunities to do that. So, sure. okay. Gotcha. And you're in the grief group that you and Corey do. I know you do, you work with women and he works with the fathers or right. the men. Um, where is that and what time is that? So we meet the third Thursday of every month at Riverside Community Church okay. from 7 to 8.30. Okay. Um, and again, it's for anybody that's lost a child that wants to come and connect with other parents that are going through that. So, um, you know, our group's been, we've been doing that now. Again, it was one of those things that we couldn't find a group like that. Sure. So we just started one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it works. You know sometimes. what I mean? <laughs> and it's so we, that's been going for a few, few years now we've been doing sure. that because, um, and really, really have made great connections and friends through that as well. Okay. Shabir, as we wrap up today, um, what would be, if there's one thing that you wanted to share with individuals who've had setbacks, who've had something traumatic happen to them, regardless if that was a death or some other traumatic event that's happened, what would you want to share with somebody? Well, I think, you know, obviously it's important to um, reach out to a community of people that can support you through that. Mm -hmm. But also just, you know, trusting and believing no matter what we go through, no matter what pain we experience, um, no matter what wounds we, we have, that we can turn that into a, a purpose and we can get through that. And not only, you know, I always say, you know, I, I, I didn't survive this, but I'm able to thrive through this. Mm-hmm. And that's something that anybody can do with the right amount of support, the right amount of um, therapy, whatever that might be for that person, and just believing that you can and will get through it. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much for joining us today um, on the journey. Uh, Xavier Whitford, as she shared her story of of a series of different traumatic events that she's had in her life, but but the significant one that happened five years ago, um, and that how in the midst of that darkness that she found that light and has now continued to be able to shine for others in the community and for others that she hasn't even probably even met. So go to ShaviarWhitford.net and find out more about uh, her as well as what she's doing as well as looking to the book that uh, that she was part of and the book will, that will be coming out uh, <laughs> next year. Um, thank you very much for joining us today and I will see you again next week.